0: And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to the Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah, I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the word of God. Over the weekend, um, I started watching a documentary on ESPN. Mike got me started on it. Called The Last Dance. And it's about the final season with the Chicago Bulls where they had that incredible team that, went, that won a total of six NBA championships. And this was the last one that they won. And that whole season was just a very interesting season. It was interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, and in the process of talking about that season, they do a lot of kind of flashbacks or going back uh, and telling the whole story of how that team got put together. So you get a lot about Michael Jordan, obviously. And you, you get, you know, a lot. I, I'm not real far in it. I, I kind of had the introduction to Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. I, I'm that far with it. Um, you know, they were an amazing team. And Jordan was just an incredible player. And and even if you are only the sort of... Um, fair weather fan that I am, the sort of casual fan, and I have to admit that that's the best I I am when it comes to any sport, I have a good excuse, though. I'm from Cleveland. (laughs) So I I don't need to say anything more than that for anybody that does follow sports, because they say, oh, well, Cleveland, of course, how could you be a good, you know, fan? Um, Cleveland primarily exists so that They have an underdog to make sports movies about. And, you know, like the Indians, you could remake Major League at any time, any season, and it would be just as as unbelievable and just as... Oh, yeah, that's the team that's that bad. Um, But we did have, in basketball, you know, a a championship, so I can't completely uh, knock Cleveland. But, boy... Even back then, Michael Jordan was such a phenomena that he just drew everybody into, into being interested in, in the sport. I had been interested before um, but you know became a lot more interested in those days. And the thing about Jordan, uh, uh, just aside from his incredible natural talent and his ability is, his passion and commitment for the game his passion and commitment for the game um, it was just phenomenal it was phenomenal in his second season in the, the I, I love this in the second season his first season he comes on the minute he steps on the court within two weeks everybody says they knew he was the best guy on the team his rookie year two weeks into the game into the season and he's you know, rookie of the year and he has this phenomenal year and he starts off the next year and very early in the year he breaks his foot. And he is under strict orders that he cannot play and for like maybe 12 weeks. And to tell somebody like Michael Jordan that he can't play for 12 weeks is just the worst news that he could ever get. And it's like, you know, trying to to hold a racehorse back. I mean, he just wanted to do it. And so he, he convinces, you know, them to let him um, go back to, supposedly go back to college while he's re- recovering. And that's just a guy so that he can start pickup games with some guys there. And he starts playing first, you know, two on two, and then three on three, and all of this unbegnosed to management of the Bulls, and he's before long playing full five-on-five games, full-court games. And when they hear this, you know they're they're outraged. Um, and the only reason he lets them know is because he's saying, "I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to come back." And the doctor says, "No, no, no. You know, if you come back, there there is a ten percent chance that you could end your career." that you could seriously damage your foot and end your career. 10% chance. Jordan, being you know, the kind of guy that, you would, that it takes to be that kind of athlete, says, so you're telling me there's a 10% chance that I could do something serious to it. I look at it to say that's a 90% chance that I won't. <laughs> and the owner says to him... Well, I don't think you're really looking at this the right way. I don't think you're appreciating the risk to reward ratio. If I had, if you had a a bad headache and I had before you 10 pills and nine of those pills would cure the headache and one of those pills would kill you, would you take a pill? And Jordan says, well, it depends on how bad the headache was. You just gotta love somebody like that, and he finally comes back, and they have this like. This is before Pippin's there, before Robin's there. This is like early, early. It's only second season. He's there, and they have this. Somehow they they make it into the playoffs, although the management does not want them to make it into the playoffs because they would have a better draft choice if they if they don't. That just violates something. To Jordan's mind, the fundamentals of winning. You want me to not win? That, that's not gonna happen. So they go, they make it to the playoffs. And oh, he's only allowed to play at this point seven minutes in a game, seven minutes a game. And you can see, and they, they would like sound a horn, and he'd have to go sit down. Didn't matter what. There's a game right before they, this, like, final one where they make it to the playoffs. The game's gonna go into overtime, okay? And all he needs is 30 more seconds to play, but they won't let him. And you can see him on the bench, and he is so mad, he is so mad. The idea that they would not play him in that case, obviously not because of the foot, but because they did not want to win, and that, he never forgave the guy for that. He, they make it to the playoffs, he plays. He has a, one, one more part. So they play the Celtics, and this is like the end of the Celtics' great reign, and it's Larry Bird and the Celtics, right? And in this game, in the, I don't know, the second or third game, they lose, but Jordan scores, I think it was 40 or 50, 50 points, close to 50, somewhere around that. And... The next day, they come back, and in between that, he played golf with the, one of the Celtics who he lost money to, so this gave him more motivation. <laughs> he comes back the next day, and he, when, he, he scores like 64 points, 64 points. And they still lose the game because the Celtics were great, and he was like the only one really great on, on the Bulls at that point. But I love this line. Larry Bird said, that was not Michael Jordan playing that day. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan <laughs> playing. <laughs> you know, I, I love beyond the sports aspect of it, just the passion and commitment, the passion and commitment. And it reminded me of, some of you have heard uh, Bud Morgan from ABC Sports sharing um, why I keep coming back, and he talks about Bill Russell and how Bill Russell had that same kind of passion and commitment. It takes that. It takes passion and commitment to really excel. It takes passion and commitment to not just personally excel, but for a cause to really win out. Certainly, we can look at the men and women in the Bible and see such men and women of passion. We can see the passion, obviously, of our Savior Jesus Christ. We can see of Paul and how nothing would hold him back. When it came to moving the word, it didn't matter. You look at Stephen. He, he knew these guys were going to kill. It didn't matter. He was going to say what he was going to say literally if they killed him for it, and they did. We're going to look at a record in Joshua chapter 23. Where Joshua challenges people, to have some commitment and to have some passion for what they believe and to just stay put, to just stand, to just stand. And we'll pick it up in Joshua 23 and verse one. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old, stricken in age. Now, remember, Joshua is... He's kind of like Moses' right-hand guy. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that had gone into the promised land when the 10 uh, spies were sent in who came back with a positive report. And Joshua's the one, when Moses dies, that God says, okay, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, arise and go into this land that I promised and claim it. So that's Joshua, and he's done it. He's done it. He's gone into the land. He's led Israel into that land, and they have claimed all the land that God had told them that was theirs. And now, after claiming the land, fighting many great fights, and them enjoying the land of milk and honey, he's old, and he's getting ready for his life to end. And Joshua, verse 2, called for all Israel for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, all the leadership. He calls all of Israel, and he especially sets you know, up front, focuses on those men who were put in charge, whether they were elders or judges or so forth. And he said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that fought for you. He is reminding them of what God has done. And that's what he's going to do here. He's going to remind them of how God's fought for them. It's not their strength. It wasn't their great military prowess. It wasn't their wisdom. It was God who fought for them. And ye have seen, verse 3, did I do that? Yeah, verse 4. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. From Jordan, with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised you. God's going to continue to fight for you. God's going to continue to chase these guys out if you'll be faithful, if you'll just do what you're supposed to do. Verse 6, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. If you remember the the beginning of Joshua, that book, that's what Joshua is told. When God tells him to take over from Moses, three times he tells him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous to, to do the word, to stand on the word. They didn't have to do anything except just trust God. But they had to do that. They had to be strong and courageous. It takes, it took men that were willing to do that, that were, weren't going to get shook all the time, that, that weren't every time that another adversary came up, that another bad situation come up, that they'd wet their pants and run away and, and hide under the bed. It took people that were going to be strong, courageous, and it always takes that. It always takes that. Thank God we're not having to chase out a physical enemy. And at least here in the United States, we don't have people that are trying to kill us for standing on God's word. You know, I say thank God because there are places where that is the case. But it still, no matter what, takes courage. It takes strength to stand. It takes strength. Because there's going to be times where you don't feel like standing. There's going to be times where it's easy to get let aside, where it's easy to get distracted, where it's easy to get caught up in other things. And that's the case here. Don't turn to the left or to the right, verse 7. That ye come not among these nations, that these these that remain among you neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, nor serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. That was the biggest thing they had to to, to not do, to not follow after their gods, to not even mention them, to not bow down to them, to not serve them, to not follow any God but the true God. And that's still the greatest challenge. It's still the greatest challenge. Not that people are, you know, I've, I've not run into anybody that's serving Baal or that's worshiping Molech or any of those other gods that, you know, those guys did. But there's lots of other gods that people serve. People serve the almighty dollar. People serve science. People serve their own gain. There's all kinds of other things that people can serve besides idols made of stone and wood. And for many, that's a greater temptation, and they're caught into it, and they're just as committed to that as these guys were to all those gods from those nations that were left. Verse 8. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand unto you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. One man will be able to chase a thousand. That's quite a team, huh? Mm -hmm. One man will be able to chase a thousand if they would do it with God, if they'd stay faithful. And it wasn't because of that one man was so great, but because God was. Verse 11. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye do what? Love Love the Lord your God. (laughs) That's what they had to do. Love God. See how, how little it's changed? This is still the thing today. Just love God. That's all he's asking, that we love him. Else, verse 12, if, in, if ye do in any wise go back, and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these nations that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and what? Thorns Thorns in your eyes. Thorns in your eyes. Those people would be thorns in their eyes until ye perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, this day... I am going the way of all the earth. He's telling them he's going to die. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. He's telling them, you know that God was faithful. He's going to ask them to be faithful. And it's predicated upon the fact that they knew that God was faithful. God is faithful. God was faithful, and he will not let one of his promises fall to the ground when we trust him. But there's the if. (laughs) There's the if. You know, it's trusting him, believing. That's what they had to do. It talks about them in Hebrews. It talks how some entered into the rest and some didn't. The word was preached unto all them, and some profited and some did not, not being mixed with believing in them that heard it. That's always the criteria. It has to be mixed with believing in them that hear it. No promise will fall so long as we have that trust in believing. Verse 15, Therefore it shall come to pass that that all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you. So shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until ye have destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When ye have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger commercial break here, I guess. (laughs) The angle of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given unto you. So that's their choice. You can be faithful, and God will continue to bless you. Or if you're not, then God's not going to take care of you. Look at chapter 24, verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of the Israel. Calls all these people and, again, tells them even more detail. We're going to skip down. But he tells them more detail about how God took care of them and how he, from the time that he first called them out, from the time of their fathers, that he has taken care of them and shown and proved himself to them over and over and over again. We'll pick it up in verse 12 because this is kind of cute. And I sent the hornet before you the hornet, not bees, but hornets, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with the sword nor with the bow. That some situations, they didn't even have to pick up their weapons. Instead, God chased the enemy away with hornets. Verse 13, And I have given you a land which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted, not do you eat. You didn't have to do the work. You didn't even have to do the work. You didn't have to build the houses. You didn't have to build the cities. You didn't even have to plow the field or plant the vineyards. They just moved in and enjoyed it all. I mean, you can't get a better deal than that, right? That's what God did for them. And God did it. They didn't do it. God did it. And he's asking them to not forget that. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Make up your mind. If this seems evil to you, if you don't want to serve God, then decide who you're going to serve. Make up your mind. Get off the fence. Make up your mind. Make up your mind who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God? Or if not, pick some other guy. Do what you want. But God says you need to make up your mind. Verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you know. That's a decision that I came to a long, long time ago, a long time ago. And I can say that I've done it for a while now. And I can say that I'm committed to continue to do it. That's what people have to do. They have to make up their minds. They have to make up their minds. And boy, until you do, well, then you're just like Israel, you know, blowing hot and cold. You'll see in a minute, they're all excited. Verse 16, And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, the Amorites, and so forth. And Joshua said unto the people, "Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. Then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after they have done you good. So you're, gonna, you're saying that, but boy, you better mean it. You better mean it, because if you go back on it, and you turn around and you serve those other gods, then what I told you before is going to happen. God's going to say, I'm done with you. And the people said, verse 21, people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He's saying, This is your testimony. Okay, This is what you're saying. And if you don't, if you don't do it, you're breaking your word. This is what you said you would do. And they said, yep, we're our own witnesses. that That's what we said we'd do. Verse 23. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, a covenant, a contract, a promise. This is it. This is what you're signing your name to. This is what you're agreeing to. Okay, you know the terms. I've just laid them out to you. Here's the terms of the contract. If you do it, man, then God's going to bless you with all these things. But if not, you're on your own, boys. So Joshua made a covenant and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Shechem. Shechem because that's where Abraham first came to. It's because of it lay between the two different mountains where the law was given and so forth. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak a great stone for its permanence, an oak because that represented the presence of God that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. Good, long life. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that, out, that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. That generation stayed faithful, but we know the story that Israel didn't stay faithful t- for too long. And you get into the book of Judges and they blow hot and cold. They blow hot and cold. But boy, that day Joshua called them to take a stand. And that day they did. And Joshua stood all the days of his life, and those people stood all the days of theirs. They stood. They could say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they had the passion to keep to that. God bless. You can't bring me down, no word is on my mind.